Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, pop culture, and impactful storytelling, because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I am Luz Corona, Adweek Community Editor, and hello to my wonderful co-host, Rebecca Stewart, our Europe Brand Editor. How are you, friend? Hey, Liz. I'm brilliant. How are you doing? Brilliant as well. I love using that word. I'm going to incorporate that more. (laughs) Yes, and we're letting the chaos wash over us. It's really washing. It's cleansing. (laughs) It's cleansing. (laughs) It's cleansing. (laughs) And we're excited to bring you guys today's episode. Um, We'll call them filmmakers, but really they're jacks of all trades. Filmmakers Karam Gill and Daniel Malikyar, who are the co-owners of MGX Creative, a creative agency and production company based in LA. Hey guys, how are you? How you doing? Thank you for having us. Sure. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for making this work. As we were talking before, it's kind of like, I want to give our listeners just like all the coordination that happened. Rebecca's on London time. You guys are on the <laughs> West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. This y'all. is like, yeah. <laughs> um, but we're making this happen. And we're so excited to talk to you guys today. Um, so I just want to kind of I'm going to give you some props because um, you guys have done quite a lot. Um, You're really recognized in the industry. Most recently, Complex called you guys the industry top (laughs) music guys. And what a title that is. I want that title. I will never have that title. Um, You know, tell us a little bit about your work and, and, you know, kind of the praise, the recognition that you guys have been getting over the years. Totally. Um, Daniel, I can kick it off if if you'd like. But um, we... uh, yeah, Dan and I have been, you know, we, we, we've been at it for since we were about 19, 20 years old. Um, and it's been a really, it's been a really cool journey over the past, you know, six, six, seven years to, to build MGX Creative into, into what it is. And, you know, shout out to, to so many people along that journey, Andrew, Blaze, the whole team, you know, at MGX that, that is just incredible. Um, but, you know, it's been cool over the last few years to, to really see, people starting to recognize um, what we've been doing over the years because we've never really, we've never been, you know, going out to do press or, or we've never really kind of spoken about the story um, and spoken about the fact that our whole team is, you know, under the age of 35. Like we are literally, you know, we are Gen Z and we are millennial created creators and producers and our, and, and we are the demographic brands and, you know, even networks and streamers want to want to advertise to. And I think in the space that we're in, um, you know, where we're at, there's not really another company that serves the functions we do across film and television and, and brand partnerships that's kind of doing what we're doing. So 
we're really just excited to, to, to kind of be growing and, and, you know, helping, you know, contribute to culture the way we are. And, and yeah, we're, we're just really excited and, and thankful for the, for the opportunity to, to speak with you guys. Daniel, I don't know if you have anything to add. Definitely. No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when, when we first started this process, like Karim said, 1920, um, the whole goal was to just kind of cultivate a space and an environment to pursue telling stories that we were passionate about. And as we continue to kind of grow and evolve, we've built this amazing team, like Karim mentioned, that shares that same intention. And, and you know, fast forward years and years later, um, we've kind of been able to achieve everything that we've set out to so far and we have a lot more that we want to do so it's just uh it's an exciting time i think you guys are being modest here because looking at you know both of your back catalogs that they're so strong and and so varied and you know karam you made your debut with g-funk um and now you guys have got this amazing agency together can you talk me through the journey towards that and how you kind of were working on your own projects and then came together to form mgx yeah so we we started mgx um Daniel's a year younger than I am, but we started, uh, I believe, our last year of college around then. And, um, you know, originally it was just the two of us. And then we brought on Andrew, who, who uh, actually we met because we were doing the G-Funk film, which is the Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, Warren G documentary that um, premiered at South by in 2017. And so we kind of built the team from there and, and you know, we really had ambitions of, of growing two specific verticals um, that we could do what we love within. Um, one was film and television, primarily on the doc and doc series side, and the other was brand partnership work. So, you know, less um, in the lane of, 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 you know, the Super Bowl commercial, more in the lane of serving this hybrid function um, of a creative agency and a production company where we could work directly with brands themselves, uh, also with agencies, you know, we, we, we do work a ton with agencies, but really, um, you know, bringing our perspective as, as we are quite literally, like I said before, the demographic that so many brands are trying to market to and advertise to. So we built this infrastructure that's now at almost 15 full time. We have a studio in Los Angeles and yeah, we do a ton of, of really, you know, exciting music docs and, and just docs in general. Um, we were, Daniel was just in Africa and Cuba shooting some stuff. We, we just, uh, we, we most recently did the little baby documentary, which featured Drake. That was, uh, that premiered at Tribeca last year. Um, and, and we, uh, sold to Amazon prime video and it was one of their highest performing, um, documentary projects of the year. So we have a ton of stuff in that space. And we also do a ton of the branded, um, content space with Fujifilm and Mercedes and Daniel, you could probably fill in the gaps a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like Karen mentioned, uh, some of these these recent projects that, that we've kind of been excited about. Um, I was just back in December in Cuba uh, working on a, a documentary film. And then most recently, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, just got back from uh, a project that we did in South Sudan in Africa, both of them through the lens of youth culture, exploring larger kind of global and, and societal themes. The Cuba film was... Um, exploring the situation right now of the mass exodus that's happening in Cuba through the lens of this really fascinating underbelly of barber culture that has undertones of reggaeton and music and and things that really kind of align with the overall MGX direction aesthetic. And then on the Africa side of things, um, the film explored the effects of climate change on a rural tribe that's never been documented uh, through the lens of the story of a 26-year-old chief who's just newly been appointed. So 
we really have a lot of different touch points um, in terms of the types of work that we do, but everything kind of follows that through line of that youth culture, millennial, Gen Z, you know, resonating kind of direction. Um, and yeah, I mean, on, on the brand partnership side of things too, like Karen mentioned, same exact thing. We have projects currently in production for Fujifilm that we just wrapped up last week and a couple more coming in two or three weeks. So one week is never the same. It's, it's always varied and always exciting. Yeah. And that's that's exciting. Right. Like, uh, you know, we you, the monotony can get old after a while. Like you guys are it seems like you're you're covering stories that you want to cover and you feel passionate about and you're doing it really well. Um, so so major kudos to you guys. Um, I want to I want to kind of pick your brain about storytelling because <clears throat> You're doing branded work and non-branded work, um, but you're telling stories. And I'm just going to give a little anecdote, and this, I promise you, it's leading to a question. So we had um, a former editor here at Adweek, D- David Griner from The Creative Ladder. One time he gave me this really golden advice that shaped my writing, and it was, what is it that you would tell a loved one or a friend about this story? Like, what was the most interesting part that captivated you? You went home and you told them the first thing and there's your angle. And it really like turned things that that kind of shaped my storytelling. And I'm just curious, like, what it, what is the lens that you guys try to tell your stories through considering you cover such a so many subjects like, you know, from hip hop visionaries to, you know, a sub things that are going on around the world, what is what are the stories that you're trying to tell and how are you trying to tell them? Yeah, I think um, what we really focused on is, is whether it's the branded work or the film and television work is approaching everything from a youth culture perspective. And I think youth culture is such an all-encompassing term at this point where you know, it's as you know, young as teenagers all the way up to, to people in their 30s. There's a the concept of youth culture is a feeling um, it's something that feels exciting. It's something that, you know, is, is, is takes risks. So that's kind of our overall approach to everything. And then with, in terms of, if you look at all of our work, it really is through the, through the voice and through the perspective of youth culture. And then our approach to, to storytelling itself is it doesn't matter how big the celebrity or, or, you know, the opportunity is, we always try to look at like, what does that illuminate? So for example, the little baby documentary, Amazon, you know, that's not just a follow documentary of little baby. That's a, that's an exploration of, of race in America, socioeconomics, you know, how um, gentrification in at Atlanta post Olympics completely, you know, dismantled certain communities and what that does to communities and how it births, you know, you know, people that are fighting for change, like little baby or a lot of these rappers and everything that's happening in Atlanta. So we always look for the layers of, you know, pulling back the onion and really figuring out what, what that artist or that political figure or that icon or whoever we're, telling the story about illuminates like what do they hold a mirror up to um so that's kind of our approach and i think that's what's allowed us to you know really cut through because because you see so many so often you'll watch a music doc or a celebrity project and it doesn't it gives you great access to that person but for us that's really just the beginning we want to we want to we want that story to say something because every we believe that pop culture holds a mirror up to society and that's like a core foundation of how we, we approach our stories. I love that. And one thing we've not really touched on um, is both of your age. So, you know, you guys are in your 20s and you've already achieved so much. And as you say, you're talking, um, whether you're making something that's branded or non-branded, you're talking to your own generation. Um, but I'm just keen to understand like how you got people to look past age when you were starting out, because that's a hard thing to get people to mm-hmm. overcome. How did you how how did you kind of do that, especially in LA, uh, where it's so yeah. competitive anyway? 
Yeah. I mean, Daniel, I can start off. I'm sure you have thoughts too. I think it's funny because Daniel and I, early on, we really were, I would say a little bit, you know, to be candid, self-conscious when we were early in our twenties, you know, I'm, tw- I just turned 29 birthday was a couple of days ago and, and Daniel's 28. So, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we were conscious, self-conscious about our agent when we were early in our twenties, right? Like we're going head to head with some of the biggest film and television production mm-hmm. companies in the world, trying to, you know, make a name for ourselves in that lane. And then also in the, in the, in that, in the more traditional advertising lane, which is also, you know, an older, an older kind of skewing, um, like group of group of companies. So I think it's actually, it's actually turned into our superpower and something that brands have, have come to us and said, wow, like working with you guys, you know, it's not like we're trying to appeal to this demographic. Like we are that demographic and it's just, the content, whether it feels a certain way or, you know, we're using certain techniques that are resonating on TikTok and we, you know, the storytelling we're doing when we, when we sit down with a celebrity or a rapper or a basketball player or, a, you know, whoever it is, oftentimes like where those people are our age or our team's age. So brands start to realize like, why are we hiring all the time, you know, companies and having people who are not necessarily that demographic making content for that demographic. And I think that's the, the, the real market need, if you will, that we have been solving. And it's been something that's been really awesome. You know, brands come to us to make their ads for, you know, millennials and Gen Z's and it cuts through. And, and from a performance perspective, like we've seen some numbers we can't talk about, but it's, it's actually been proven to work and it's really, it's really exciting. Yeah. I think, I think just to add to that too, something that, that Carm and I have discussed kind of at length year over year is your perspective and your POV um, is really guided by your reference point and your reference point is guided by your experience. And for us, we didn't grow up when social media was already a thing for several years or vice versa. We grew up with the evolution of each of these platforms. You know, we were in high school when Instagram came out and was the new thing and you'd put filters on your photos and post what you were eating for dinner that day and so on and so forth. Right. So as the platforms continue to evolve, we were kind of at the forefront of understanding exactly how everything worked and why it worked and why it resonated. So when we were able to get our foot in the door at a younger age, even in college, doing some of these high profile projects for, for larger brands, it's because, you know, they had people that understood that underlying theme and, and the fabric of that company was really trying to explore the the kind of medium that, that they were looking to to connect with their audiences through that we understood. And that led us to a point where, you know, the first big campaign that Carmen and I did, like he mentioned, I think we were, I was 19, he was 20, premiered in Times Square on the Jumbotrons, you know, and, and was much higher profile than than things that maybe other people at our age were able to do. But we were fortunate to kind of connect with people that valued our perspective. And then that mm-hmm. same principle has just kind of continued to evolve year over year. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B. 
But LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Wow. Um, I, yeah. I want to like ask you more about your work, but I'm just so intrigued by your beginner story because <clears throat> you both have come so far. Um, and I know you said started in college and like, you executed a campaign at age 19. Like, were you studying advertising? Was it of interest to you? Was this just like a conversation that came up in the dorm room? Like, yeah, nobody's doing this right. Like, we got to step in. Like, what what did that look like, Daniel? What, what did that look like to you? Yeah, I mean, the reality of it, looking back and reflecting on that time was we really were so passionate about this and we had nothing to lose. You know, we were still young. We didn't have as many responsibilities as you have when you get a little bit older. And we just went all in. I mean, there, there were times where we had a, we both went to Chapman university in orange County and they, uh, they had this program called the incubator launch labs where they'd give you an office space, 24, 24 hour access, little key card. And, you know, Carmen, and I would sit in there sometimes for 18, 19 hours ordering pizza at two in the morning, conceptualizing what we were trying to do. And we were just so committed to the process and to the work and to the meticulous attention to detail. That's another thing too, that that's kind of been a core principle and philosophy of our work is okay. We're younger, but we're going to have the best materials, the best, you know, airtight shot by shot breakdown of exactly what we want to do. Um, and I think that kind of resonated and, and got us the opportunities that we had. That's not to say that we didn't have no's and we didn't get brushed aside by, you know, larger corporations and figures and names, but the ones that we did get, we really ran with and and fostered and grew. And that campaign that I just mentioned to you, that was happening concurrently with music videos that we were producing. And Karm had to fly out to interview Snoop Dogg for G-Funk halfway through the production. And we still figured it out. Um, You know, I remember vividly sitting in in that incubator launch lab office with Karm, figuring out exactly how to build the red camera that we were shooting the production on because we didn't have a ton of experience at the time with, you know, cinema grade cameras. And then we went there, we figured it out. You learned by experience and it looked incredible and everyone was happy with it. So Carm, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah. I think the only thing to add is, you know, we, we studied advertising, we studied film. Um, but, but the reality is Daniel and I, while we're filmmakers and creatives, you know, my background's in finances is in business marketing. That's what we are, are, that's where we really cut our teeth. So I think, you know, we came at it from a, from a practical business perspective, you know, like we were able to understand business margins, you know, financing ways to get products off the ground at a really young age. You know, we weren't just head in the clouds, directors or creatives. And, and the other thing is our, you know, we didn't, we also, our parents are immigrants that came here, you know, um, and they worked their way up to, to give us an amazing life, but they didn't have connections in the industry. So to Daniel's point about over delivering on, on seemingly silly things like that people might overlook, like, oh, this is just a pitch deck. This is just a shot list. But everything you touched and you still touch that's MGX looks, feels, it has an aesthetic to it that is like, okay, this just feels like way overly buttoned up, you know? And so we tried to, you know, overcompensate in areas that we could. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool journey. 
I think there's some really nice lessons in there for kind of younger listeners and kind of young marketers and creatives. Um, I'm keen to find out what's next for you both. You know, Daniel, you mentioned that MGX is working on some really cool branded stuff, including a project with Fujifilm. Um, and Karam, I think separately it is, you're working on the Spotify and Hulu rap caviar series. So you're both pretty busy. So what can we expect next? I think... Uh... For for MGX, what what's really next is is we're obviously making you know we'll continue to make a ton of strides in in in, in the film and television world. But I think you know we have a few projects in in that are that are going to end up on some really exciting platforms or in conversations. But all the all the big ones, Netflix and Hulu and everybody is we're kind of figuring out what our slate looks like for the next year and a half, two years. But also, you know, we're really trying to, um, and we have a few projects in production actually right now, um, elevating the brand storytelling in the brand storytelling world. And what that means is, you know, a lot of brands are trying to kind of find this middle ground between film and television and branded content. And it's, you know, we see this brand storytelling emerge, and we've seen it a lot over the years with brands like Patagonia and North Face um, and Red Bull and so many um, different companies that have that have really been looking to create meaningful content in that world. So we're doing a ton of that. Um, and that's a lane that I think you'll see a ton of MGX projects coming out of. Um, Daniel, I'm sure you have some stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Echoing Karm on, on everything he laid out and just in terms of tangible projects that are in front of us, um, you know, within post-production, those two films that I mentioned, the one from Cuba and the one from South Sudan are definitely exciting and will be premiering at the top of 2024. Um, we also have quite a few things that are in different stages of pre-production development and production that we can't necessarily speak on at this time. Um, but I think the one other thing that that is very exciting for us is just seeing our team continue to elevate, continue to grow, um, continue to kind of push boundaries. And, and one of the most kind of gratifying things of, of, having MGX built in the way that it is, is the first conversation that we have with a lot of our team members before they come on board is, you know, what it, what are your goals? Where do you want to go? What type of projects do you want to do? And then when you see those get checked off, it's a really amazing feeling. Um, so that that's another part of the process that just maybe isn't spoken on a ton, but is something that Carm and I are, are kind of very Definitely. appreciative of. Yeah. Um, that my, my last question kind of stems from that, um, you know, MGX from what we understand is, um, also largely diverse and, and first generation, like, you know, what do you guys look for in the talent that you look to hire? And, and I'm assuming this kind of like the secret sauce too, right? You're working with people that are, have the same mission and are driven like you guys. Yeah. I think, you know, we look for, we look for people who are the right fit for the position, like any like any job or um, career, I guess. But I think the other thing that we really like to, to explore is we, we look for people who have we call them you know multi hyphenates in a in a certain way. So you know if we're looking for somebody who's you know we need an editor or we need you know someone to come on to the creative team, we want someone who who has a perspective that's not just you know so so singular. You know, maybe their interests are in something else. And, and the reason is kind of what Daniel was saying earlier with the reference point. You know, if somebody is, uh, you know, loves coffee table books and font design or whatever, and they are also an editor, well, then we know that their approach to editing is going to be a little bit different than the person who 
is just an editor and is only an editor and only wants to edit forever, right? I think we look for people who have interests that are that are beyond just one singular lane and have talents and and um, can bring those kind of talents and interests in and into what they're they're doing. Gotcha. So cool. So cool. I would love to be a fly in the wall within the walls of MGX. <laughs> you guys are doing amazing things. Um, well, I think, I mean, I have a million more questions, but I think we'd have to have another podcast episode. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're, we're so excited to have you guys on today. And thank you so much for joining us. And I think, like, Rebecca probably agrees, but, like, we're cheering for you. And yeah, we're, we're looking forward to seeing what you do next and what film festivals you're going to show up. Because I know that's in your future still. <laughs> Oh, appreciate that. Thank you both. Thank so you guys. Much. And um yeah, no, for sure. And and you know, appreciate the time as always. Thank you guys. Appreciate you both. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.